You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. All right, so we're in the series Essential Matters. Uh, this series is all about finding our importance and our purpose, which right now is such a huge thing. We're in a time where we're being told what is essential and what's not essential, and we're being told what is important and what your purpose should be. And right now we're going to break that. We're going to find what God has for our importance and what our real purpose is. So the title of my message today is Just Follow. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But first, we're going to talk about Samson. So Samson, if you don't know who he is, he's the one that ripped the lion in half with his bare hands. You know, that guy. Yeah. So this man was destined with a purpose from God even before He was born to do amazing things. He had a destiny. He was to take down the Philistines and bring back Israel to where it was supposed to be. Now, that's a a big thing to be put on you when you're not even born yet. So let's look at him a little bit more. Um, I'm not going to be able to go into his whole life story. Um, You can read that in Judges 13, 14, and so on. But I'll give you a highlight reel of his life. Samson's strength, which literally came from his head, well, his hair, started going to his head. All throughout his life, he, could, he would make mistakes one after another that would then be solved by his strength. It wasn't until his last breath that he was able to use that strength that God had given him to fulfill the purpose that God put on his life. See, God had a purpose for Samson. He gave him the tools and the abilities to fulfill that purpose, yet he let his head get in the way. So, does this resonate with anyone else? Because I know for me, this, is, this resonates a lot. Prior to Awaken, my perceived purpose at church was all about what I can do for God. I was on the production team, first in, last out. You know, we had this badge of honor that we kind of, I wore. I don't know about the rest of my team. I wore because I'm like, you know, we're doing things. We're making service happen. You know, I was doing IT stuff in the office. I was, wherever I was going, it was about what I could bring or the value I could bring, the importance I got out of the serving. All this work gave me a false sense of purpose. And because of this, I got burnt out. To the point that my family and I almost left this church. Mallory didn't want me to say that, but it was, I mean, because it wasn't just me. There was things that I know that she had the same stuff. By the grace of God, I talked to Pastor Vince before we decided to, to leave. And this is one of those things where, you know, like, you're going for a pastor, you know, pastoral care. It's like, all right, I need, I need you to tell me something. And what he said to me was, well, what are you doing for the church? And I'm like, I mean, you see me every week. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like, what do you mean, what am I doing for the church? Like, I was getting irritated. I was irritated because I realized that there was something else on me that was the irritated part. It wasn't my spirit. It was the spirit that was on top of me. And so, to be honest, I don't remember the rest of the conversation we had. I think, you know, he said something about take a break or something like that. But I was just so stuck on what am I doing for the church. So I was like, all right, well, I mean, let's look at some inspirational people, see what they have to say about purpose. So Tony Robbins, if you don't know who he is, inspirational, got great words, uh, you know, entrepreneur, all that. He said, activity without purpose is the drain of your life. I'm like, yeah, that's totally it. But why do I still feel the drain on my life? Like, I'm doing activities. I have a purpose, what I thought was a purpose. So I'm still feeling the drain. All right. So Maybe, you know, these, this brilliant scientist, maybe he can tell me what I need to hear. Stephen Hawking said, work gives you meaning and purpose, and life is empty without it. I was like, that, that doesn't 
go with the Bible. I was like, but this is what the enemy was whispering to me. He was telling me that the only way I could get my purpose was actually to keep working, to obtain that purpose. It wasn't serving anymore, it was working. See, God didn't make this hard. He doesn't make a lot of things hard. He actually makes it fairly easy. We just screw it up and we make it harder. I mean, if we look at what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus didn't say, all right, figure out what you're good at, then come follow me. Figure out, you know, your strengths. Take your strength test. Find your spirit animal. Find your engram. All these different things. Let's, you know, do all that, then you can follow me. He also didn't say, figure it all out first. You didn't have to have it all figured out before following. He just wants you to follow. That's all he said, just follow. There is the other part of the verse that a lot of us skip over is give up your own way. This one is what hits home for me. How many times have I called out to God saying, I'm following you. What am I supposed to do now? And he says, have you given up your way? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm following. Like, tell me what to do. I'm following you. Like, be my leader. And, but he wants us to give up our way because are we truly following if we don't give up our ways and what we're wanting to do? So our amazing lead pastor, Pastor Jurgen, he said this many times, many sermons. We've all heard it. But if you haven't heard it, I'm going to say it again. I'll probably say it a few times. He said, God doesn't want to get something from you. He wants to get something to you. If you haven't heard that before, let me say it again. God doesn't want to get something from you. That sounds backwards. Like, that's what we're serving for, right? He wants to get something to you. See, serving, having a purpose, following God isn't about what we can bring to God. God doesn't need us to bring it. I mean, he kind of created the whole world. He created the universe. He created everything. But what, by following and giving everything up to him and serving or wherever it may be, we're giving him a conduit to bless us more, to bring more to us. Because we can get a lot from listening to amazing pastors. We can get a lot to listening to amazing words. But until we really come in and follow fully, we don't open up that conduit for him to getting something to us. So he just wants us to trust him. He wants us to follow him. And the things he has for us are beyond all of our comprehension. He literally knows the future. Like if there's any one person that we should be following, it's him. He does know the future. There's lots of people who think they know the future. He does. He is our father, so why wouldn't he want? Why wouldn't he want the best for us? As any father, we want the best for our kids. All right. So we can see this in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. It literally says it right there that if this is what he wants for us. He doesn't want the bad things. He wants this for us. Okay, so I left you on a cliffhanger of, you know, did I leave the church? <laughs> Obviously not, because I'm right here. So, what changed? For me, it was the Men's Emerge Night, our first one that we had here. It was the live stream. San Diego was putting it on. And we're sitting there watching just these competitions, watching this worship. And I'm seeing these men that, I'm hearing the echo, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm seeing these men that are like ex-seals, ex, you know, Coast Guards, all this. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I haven't worked out in a while. And, and I'm like, but these men, like, these look like men, but then they're worshiping and just all out, sold out for God. And I'm like, 
that's not men of God. Men of God are ones that, you know, we're seeing that are what we're told is pious or weak or meek. These were meek men, but they weren't weak. They were strong in the power of God. And so I'm seeing them do this, and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't what I've ever seen before. So I got four minutes. Yeah, I'll go really quick into some uh, side note. So previous, previous experience I've had with any men's uh, conferences, if you haven't been to a merge conference, when it's going again, men, get there, because it's totally different than anything you would ever experience. Prior to this, it had been... Uh, promise keepers, which was great, but it wasn't the power that I felt and seeing the true manhood that we were and what God had for us. So this, that night, I'm sitting there on the couch, we're watching the live stream, and I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to finally give it all up to you. See, I had this fear that if I gave it fully to God, I was going to be sent off to some other country as a missionary because, you know, that's the only way we could tell people about Jesus is being missionaries in other countries. And it was, it was just this thing where he finally told me, he's like, why wouldn't I want the best for you? Why wouldn't I want the best for you? I want you to have your heart's desires, but I want you to just follow me so I can use that as your purpose to teach and reach more people. Because it's not about us giving up what we desire. We may be having a shift on what our true desires are. God's going to work that in our heart, but it's about getting our true desires while still following him and having, living the best life possible. We hear that so many times in the countdown video. Pastor Jurgen talking about getting our best life to us. And it's not through what Pastor Jurgen has to say. It's not what Pastor Vince or Pastor Beck has to say. It's only from God. And that's what he wants to get to us. So what did this change for me? So... I was now leading the production team where my purpose for the team shifted providing a perfect show to providing a conduit for the Holy Spirit to use and to only do what he can do. The call on my team and my life was no longer about perfection, but, about, about, but it was about excellence. See, perfection requires work where excellence is a mindset that we have about letting God use all our actions and service, the good and the bad, for his purpose. This is where I started to see the purpose that God had for my life. It wasn't the full picture yet, but it was the next chapter. It was like I'd been reading the same page of a book over and over and over again, and now I was finally able to turn that page and see the next part of the story. See, in Romans 8.28, Paul says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. See, when we line up, us following God, our purpose starts aligning with his purpose. And then all things are going to start working out for good. And this doesn't mean that everything in my life is going to be good. But I know I can have faith that everything that does happen in my life will be worked out for God's good. So what does this mean? Because I know I was in the same position or same area or same part of my life that a lot of you may be in, or maybe you're not. Maybe you are um, farther along, which is great because we need more people to speak the truth. And it's just starting somewhere. Maybe for you, it's jumping out of the boat and trying to walk on water. The water here is serving or stepping into a team. (laughs) We have so many amazing teams in our church and then so many opportunities on those teams for finding your true purpose that God has for you. But see, it's not about He's going to get you that perfect thing right away. Like I said before, it's not about figuring everything out before following. It's just doing it. See, God's going to use wherever you step in to keep working your purpose, keep making you find that next area, keep working you through, because maybe it's not something that needs you need to get, but it's something you need to give to someone else on that team. He just, he just said follow. The first area you serve in may not be a fit, but that's okay. 
because there's other areas, but there's always a, a trail of that following that you're going to have on you, that you're going to touch lives, you're going to touch people. And it's, it's not about being perfect. It's about just striving for that excellence that God has put on us. So, or maybe you were like I was, and you just needed to give up your whole heart. Like, how long I'd been following, I'd followed Jesus for a long time. Like, I'd been a Christian for a long time, but it wasn't until that I finally stopped listening to the lie that the enemy was telling me that if I give everything up, God's not going to want to give me my heart. Like, when I did that right there, like, it, was, it, was, it was like an aha moment, and I look back, and I'm like, why was that so stupid? I wish I would have done this so long ago. I went through so much of my life, my marriage, like everything, that it could have been so much more anointed. It would have been, wouldn't have been perfect, but I would have had an anointing on it that would have been an ease that I knew and had a faith that it was going to work out for good. So right now, it's just asking God to show you his purpose for your life. Open up what he has to show you. Because remember, we can't see the future, but he can. He just wants the best for all of us. And it's not going to be perfect, but it's not about perfection. It is going to be excellent because that's all God does. He does excellence. And so thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk. Hey, I went over. Look at that. But right now, I want to invite up an amazing woman of God. She is a close friend to both Mallory and I. We love Rich and Ruth. And yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to hear what she has to say. So give it up for Ruth Bogle. Don't, don't want to drink that one. I want to drink that one. Baby, I have to. I have something to say. Uh, thank you, Devin, for sharing your heart with us this morning. I think we all took something from that. Um, and before I get started, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Vince and Pastor Becca, for this opportunity. Um, you guys are just such awesome leaders and such awesome friends. You mean so much to Rich and I, like genuinely. And I also want to take a moment to honor our lead pastors, Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Leanne. We, we are so blessed in this church with the leadership that we have. Life is good here. Life is so good here. So I was supposed to preach back in March, but then some virus came around. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it. But anyways, none of that matters now because we are back. And church is open, and life is so much better. So this morning, I'm going to be sharing on the series, Why Essential Matters, and I'm going to be speaking on why the church is essential. God has been speaking to me, God has been speaking to me some important truths the last few years that have brought about a big, big changes to my life. So I'm excited to share with you guys this morning. So the title of my message today is The Truth About the Church. The Truth About the Church. And my first point today will be we are family. So now I'm going to talk about you briefly, babe. But Rich and I, my awesome Irish husband right there in the front row, 
We moved here from London about six and a half years ago, I think. Um, we had the dream to live the outdoor lifestyle, full of hiking and fishing and camping and skiing. And it all sounded well and good, but when we showed up, we had no friends, no family, and no church. And within a few months, honestly, life was pretty darn lonely. We tried to spice up, spice up life a bit by exploring Utah and having as much fun as we could together. But honestly, life, life still felt pretty empty. And then to make matters worse, Rich and I decided to start a family and had two very painful miscarriages, one after another, within a short period of time. And so now, not only was life really lonely, but it was also really, really sad. And Rich and I, we kept on this way for, for about a year. And life just was just really, really hard. But then came the day that changed everything. So Rich and I were on the walking trails by our house, you know, get some exercise like you do. And we were, I was, I was at my wit's end. I was so done with, I was so done with being lonely and being away from everyone that really knew me. And I was having a really, really good wine. I was, I was telling, I was telling Rich, I'm ready to go back to England. I'm ready to go back to Ireland, where his family's from. I'm ready to go to Alaska, where my family's from. I'm ready to go to California, where we have meaningful relationships. You get the picture. I just wanted to go anywhere where we had meaningful relationship. Now, I knew Rich was lonely, too, so I thought he would agree with me. But it shocked me when he said, honey, I don't feel like we've given Utah a fair, fair shot yet. I was like, what? We've been here for two years, and we're miserable. What more do you want? So, honestly, this was God, but what he said to me was, what those other places have that Utah doesn't have is Christian community. And we've done nothing to intentionally build that. So that day, we made a plan. We made a plan that we were going to intentionally build community. And then we'd reassess our lives in a month, in a year, not a month, and then make a decision then whether we were going to stay or whether we were going to go. So that's what we, our plan, we put that into motion. We picked a church, which ended up being this one. Thank goodness, I love our, I love our church. Yes, yay for church. And we started going every week and we started meeting people. Rich joined the worship team and we met even more people. We started having people over for dinner. People started having us over for dinner, yay food. And, and we ended up slowly, as the months went on, we looked around us and we could see community forming. And as time went on and on, we could see community growing even more and, and even more. And now today we stop and we look around and we see not just a community around us, but a family. People, people that see us. People that, that really see us, that really know us, that really love us, and us, them. And honestly, Rich and I have awesome families, but there's nowhere else that we would rather be than here right now. You know, for most of my life, I've realized that I've, had, I've actually had a pretty narrow view of what family meant as being those I was related to and maybe like a few clo really of those close friends, you know. But I realized that 
Jesus himself made it clear that God's vision for family was so much more than that. I mean, Jesus had Mary and Joseph as his parents. I mean, hello. (laughs) Family, quality family right there, right? But in Matthew 12, 48 through 50, we can find him saying, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and, and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. So if Jesus says that his family are those that are about doing the will of God, then I'm, I'm not going to miss out on all the amazing sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers that he has for me in this life. The church, the family of God is so essential, and our life is so much richer because of it. Now, the second point that I'd like to make this morning is that we need each other. We need each other in this life. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says... Now you, meaning everyone here, are the body of Christ and members individually. This means that some of you in these seats represent the heart of God. I think Lexi Ross is a really good example of that. Some of you represent the brain of Christ. I think Jason Porter is a really good example of that. You get where I'm going. Some of you represent the feet, the arms, the legs of Christ. What this scripture means is that we are created to be one people working together. Like all the different parts of our body are working together to represent Christ to this world. I wonder wonder how many times that we cry out to God for an answer on this earth when he is like, Um, I created my people full of my spirit and power to work together to represent me in every arena of life. He is waiting for us to become a unified people, utilizing the unique strengths of everyone. No one is more important than the other. I mean, we would notice it if we were missing a hand, you know. The church is essential because we were made to work together to fulfill our God-given purpose on this earth and establish heaven on earth. I mean, who thinks we could use a little bit more heaven on earth right now? Okay, so the third and final point that I'll be making this morning is iron sharpens iron. This might be my favorite one. Not sure. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. If we don't allow iron to sharpen us, if we don't allow iron to sharpen iron, if we don't allow people to sharpen us in this life, then we permit ceilings in our life that keep us from God's very best. Um, has anybody in this room seen a show called Forged in Fire? Anybody here? Yeah, all the guys are like me. Uh, don't tell Rich, but I watch it purely out of love for him. 
But what, that and football, but you know. <laughs> but what gets me about the show is that how much goes into taking high quality steel and turning it into a weapon of purpose? There's a ton of hammering and shaping and forging and treating and sharpening that goes on. I can't help but think that the writer of Proverbs was thinking about this very process, although, although a lot more primitive than today, when he wrote the scripture, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So one way God uses people to sharpen us and shape us into a, a better version of ourselves is by using the friction that happens with other people. I mean, how many of us in this room have had friction with other people? Yeah, everybody. If we were, if we were gonna be honest, everybody in this room. Probably many times over, probably today. When we do life with people, sometimes sparks are just gonna fly. I mean, Jesus himself, he had no lack of conflict with people, and he was Jesus. And these moments are not fun. I hate them. However, God has been showing me this last year in particular that each of these situations that arise are an opportunity for me to learn how to handle difficult situations with the wisdom of God. As, as one of, of many different examples that I could pull from. Uh, here's a story of how friction with one of my friends taught me the wisdom of the importance of confrontation in my life. So my entire life, I have been, I've avoided confrontation at all costs. It's just really uncomfortable going up to someone and telling them, you know, what's, what's bothering you. I just had the habit of saying, ah, I'll just get over it when a friend of mine would do something that hurt me. So last year, there's this one particular friend that just kept, little things just kept happening that, that hurt me. And over time, the hurt just kept piling up. I, I forgave my friend, but the hurt was still there. And the thing is, she had no idea. I, it got to the point where I would avoid this friend at church, which is really not very hard. You just walk really fast. <laughs> and you don't make direct eye contact. Now you guys will be on to me if I do it again. But eventually it got to the point where I didn't even want to look her in the eyes. What happened was I was eventually forced to talk about it with her. And all the hurt got expressed. And everything got dealt with. And honestly, our relationship is way stronger today because of it. She's actually one of my closest friends today. And the scary thing is, if we had never had that conversation, if we had never had that conversation, then we'd probably have no relationship today to even speak of. But this instance caused me to recognize that I cannot, I cannot let the hurt that happens in relationship cause a wedge between me and others. I need to start confronting people, confronting people in love for the sake of relationship. This year, this year has taught me that conflict is actually an invitation to learn how to handle difficult situations the way God would, because conflict's just going to happen regardless. 
And I want to, I don't know about you guys, I'm sure all of you too, but I want to fulfill my God-given destiny in this life. And so I'm going to allow God to sharpen me, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it hurts. Because I want him to make me into a weapon fit for purpose in this life. People sharpen people. God uses his godly people to sharpen us. The church, hashtag, the church is essential. I, want, I just wanted to say that, so. So in, in closing this morning, I can feel that, I can sense that there are people in this room that are, feel, are feeling really lonely when what, when what they need is the family of God. And still others, I can feel, have a sense that they're significant that they're very significant and created for a divine purpose, yet their destiny is waiting for when they are rightly connected to the body of Christ. Working together with everyone, finding their purpose, their unique purpose, and bringing heaven to earth. And lastly, I feel that the devil has been working overtime to divide and isolate the people of God. I mean, we're stronger together, way stronger. So it makes sense. And he's using the conflict that occurs. Let's not allow him to do that anymore. Let's beat him at his own game. In this, in this season, though, I feel strongly that God has released his unity to heal and to restore his people. And my prayer for all of us is that as we walk out of here today, I pray that the Holy Spirit will highlight those that it is time to have restoration with again. Let me just pray for us real quick as we close. God, I thank you for your for this family. I thank you for this family that Rich and I have. Thank you for your the family of God. Father, you are such a good father. God, I thank you for every person in here. Every person in here is so significant, and without them, we can't do this the same way. Just like when you're missing a foot, you can't walk the same way. We need everyone. God, I ask that you would unify us, that you'd unify your people, that we would all find our purpose, and we'd bring heaven to earth. God, I thank you for the plans that you have and that you have chosen to use your people to establish heaven on this earth. And God... We just come against the plans of the enemy where he has tried to divide us, where he has tried to wreak havoc on our relationships, on the family of God. And we say no more. God, we will fight for our relationships. God, we will stand for unity. And God, give us the wisdom to know how to handle each of these unique, unique circumstances that arise. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give it up for Ruth. Come on. What a word. Give it up for Devin. What a boss. Come on. Let's go. Man. Wow, 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 wow. This is what I love so much about our church. We create space for people to rise. We create space for people to step out into their gifts and their anointing. Wow, how good is that? How good is that? Great job, you guys. What a word.
I know I was challenged. Um, on the heels of what Ruth was saying, you know, the church is designed in such a way that when we come together, as Ruth said, we're, we sharpen each other with the friction and the sparks flying, with the intention of getting closer and closer and closer to each other and closer and closer to God, we become strong, we become an army, become a band of brothers and sisters who are advancing the kingdom. Who are advancing the kingdom. We're not just sitting in our little building getting strong getting sharp for no reason but we're taking ground we're taking territory we're advancing the kingdom of heaven when Ruth was talking about the family reminded me of the reality that every one of us was once an alien to God until he reached out and he adopted us into the family of Christ. And that we are his hands and his feet and we're to reach out and we're to say, hey, there's a God in heaven who loves you. And although you might be far, he's made a plan so that you can be close. He'll adopt you into the family. He'll adopt you into the family. I look at Brian and Amy Marks and the hand of God on your family. When I, and I, I, we got to hang out a little bit last week with these guys and I just was telling them that their family is a billboard of the faithfulness of God as they've adopted two beautiful miracle children into their home it's such a picture of what God is doing in this valley and in this world he, see, he's, he sees his children I want to I want to bring them in. I want to bring them in. And as they come into the family of God, they're sharpened and they're empowered. They're raised up. Sparks fly. Toes get stepped on. People get hurt and offended. We deal with it. We get sharper. We take ground. The church is essential. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus this way. You've not been adopted into the family. Maybe you have been, but you still act like some sort of outcast. You're just happy to be in, but you're just going to be in the corner, minding your own business, hoping that your dad doesn't get mad at you and kick you out. That's not the father's heart. He says, I, I brought you into the family so that you could have access to everything that I have. So come boldly into the throne room of heaven and take all of the promises that he gave you because they're yours. 
So as I close, I want to pray for two groups of people. Number one, if you've not invited Christ into your life, if you've not been adopted into the family, I want to give you that opportunity to say, yeah, I want to, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I need his love and forgiveness, and I want to be a part of the family. And if that's you, I just want you to put your hand up all across this room, if that's you. If there's even one. You said, you know what, I just need to receive the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Praise God, praise God. And maybe you've been in, maybe you've received God, maybe you've prayed that prayer, but if you're honest, you've not accessed his promises. You just kind of, For you, it just seems like he's just this mean God who somehow by the skin of your teeth you got in and you're just trying not to cause any disruption. You kind of act like a slave rather than a son or a daughter. I just believe that the Holy Spirit wants you to really understand that you're a son, you're a daughter. You have complete access. You don't need to live in shame. You don't need to be afraid of him getting upset or mad. You just simply need to receive. And if you need to receive this morning, I want you to put your hand up. If you just need to receive from heaven, maybe things have been dry, maybe things have been just not quite as they should be, just receive. Praise God, I see your hand, come on. Your pastor's hand's up, by the way. It's easy, it's easy to get distracted serving God and not receiving from God. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Can we stand up, everybody stand up? Let's stand to our feet. Put your hands towards heaven. I thank you, Jesus. God, right now, I thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you've adopted us, that we are sons and daughters. Lord, that we carry the authority of Christ. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. That we don't have to simply, we don't have to work to receive some sort of, some sort of merit, some sort of approval from you. But by, the, by, by, your, by your son, Jesus Christ, we have received approval. We have received righteousness. We are forgiven and loved, and we have received the promises of God. And so right now, I pray, Father God, that you would unleash your presence into this place, that your Holy Spirit would begin to move in hearts and lives in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you right now that you're breaking bondage, that you're breaking addiction, that you're breaking off things that are not of you. Depression must go. Fear must leave. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Right now, Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill your sons. Fill your daughters. Lord, I thank you that you're filling us with purpose. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're surrounding us with unity. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've placed people around us to fight for us, to encourage us, to call us out when we've made mistakes, and to love us with the love of Christ. And I thank you that Awakened Church is here, not simply be a church that sits and minds its own business, that we're a church that stands on the Word of God and steps into our city with boldness and truth. And I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, can we give God a hand? Let's go. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.